Yo. Head up, think fast. You're about to feel the blast. It's the dopest podcast on the net. Oh, yeah. All us geeks, fresh your bet. We round the world. We round the net. So get ready and get set. Because we make it look easy. No sweat. Jeff and Jordan, the host. Yeah, they be the best. From the north to the south, to the east, to the west. They cover movies, comics, TV shows, books. These guys gonna get you hooked. Don't stop now, just take a look. And don't forget to sign our Facebook. Cause what they doing is board games, video games. Yeah, they on it. They fly like a comet. Interviews is up. This podcast is pure. Give voice to your inner geek, that's for sure. Geek out any topic. No one ain't gonna ever, ever stop it. So if you wanna go and get it on, then head to allisgeeks.com. Welcome to episode 45 of All Us Geeks. I'm Jeff King. And I'm Jordan Steinhoff. And we're here to give voice to your inner geek. Welcome to another episode. We have a sponsor for this episode. Actually, we have a sponsor for the month. These people have sponsored not only this episode, but the next episode we'll record and the two Game of Crowdfunding draft picks as well. So who is this generous sponsor? Tell me more. Tell me more. <laughs> Game Right Studios, who actually has a project that launched two days ago. So June 1st on Kickstarter. It's Ultimate Battle. This is going until July 31st. Nice long campaign. <laughs> I checked it today and they're actually almost, they're almost at $5,000 of the 11,000 they're looking for. So they're well, doing really well. What is Ultimate Battle? It's a card game for two or more players and it is a combination of taking your cards and as the name implies, you are battling. Uh, you take the cards you get and whatever you get, you have to actually, uh, combine some cards and sketch out what your attack is going to be. So for instance, let's say you have Scroat Punch. Not that. <laughs> Let's say you have something like wings, sharks, and a robot. You want to draw up a flying shark robot, uh, and that's your attack. And then the your opponents or the team you're against will put their cards together to decide how they are going to potentially defeat that. And if there ever is a def- uh, dispute, like, it, it, you know, instead of continually arguing all night on whether or not the... Uh, cloud of squirrels can really beat down the uh, wall of nuts, <laughs> which I think they can. I- I'm just going to say I'm going to give it to the cloud of squirrels on that one. But if the teams can't seem to come to an agreement, there's actually a uh, a deck of cards that you pull and you'll, you'll pull a card. And I, th- I think it's the disagreement deck, if I remember right. But you pull you pull a card and it, it'll basically say what the deciding factor is. And, you know, something like, you know, uh, flip a coin, tallest player, whoever, whichever team has the tallest player, so, you know, something along those lines. And that's just, okay, there's the decision. Keep going with the game just so you don't get bogged down in the argument. So there you go. Uh, well, that's bullshit. We both have somebody that's six feet tall. <laughs> yeah. Next. Next card. <laughs> so, yeah, it's it's a, a party-style game that kind of has you thinking on the fly and, and using your imagination and drawing up. And they say that uh, your drawing skill does not come into play. I question that, but we'll see. <laughs> that uh, you can, can only make a stick figure so descriptive. <laughs> I you know. know. So and, and when you screw up stick figures like I do... <laughs> 
Can't make a stick figure. I spend shark. too much time explaining how that really is a person, <laughs> stick figure person, <laughs> and not what it was supposed to represent. <laughs> so yeah, check out uh, Ultimate Battle, which is on Kickstarter right now for two or more players, and again goes until July thirty first. And like I said, they're looking for like eleven thousand dollars. They're already almost. Uh, when I checked earlier, it was like almost at five thousand. So I'm assuming potentially by now they might be over five thousand. So they seem to be doing really well. Go check More power it out. To them. Yeah, go check it out. We'll have the link in the show notes. Oh, and if you don't want to go to the show notes, allisgeeks.com. Actually, I threw up an ad on the website for them today. So there is an ad. You can click over from there as well. All right. So you said you had something for our general conversation. Yeah. I received what I will say is a strange email today, but I get so few, so I'll take it. There did not appear to be any sarcasm here or any lecturing or vitriol or anything, but Christy. No last name will be mentioned here. <laughs> and I'm, I'm doing this on the show just because I happen to get this email on a recording day. I, so I don't know if I have offended her with my talk of Amy Acker or, <laughs> um, Starbuck or whatnot, or, or if this is genuine interest. I, I don't know. Um, however it is, whatever. She asked me who I thought attractive women on TV were. Didn't give me a number or anything. So, <laughs> but said women. So here's three women that I think are attractive. Emily Bett Records from Arrow, Lori <laughs> Fire from Lover Listed. And of course, Amy Acker. This is kind of a left field question. Don't know what brought this on, but there you go. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Good to know. Uh, is this, do with it what you please. Is this supposed to be like, who are the women on your laminated list? Celebrities. <laughs> oh. <laughs> no, no. I, uh, seemed like a genuine question because there didn't appear to be sarcasm. Yeah. So I'm treating it as a genuine question. Fair enough. Let's see. I've got one thing in our general. This is just an update from the last episode. The interview with the game huntress is out there. Uh, we've, it's been out there for a little while now, posted on the uh, social media links, but I'll, uh, throw a link to that in the show notes as well. But you can also find the game huntress's site on the website as well. I put it in our links and actually think on our left sidebar, I put her in our uh, friends feed so you can see the last couple of things she's done. But I think by now she's posted a few more things. So my interview has actually popped off of that. So if you want to go right to the interview, check the show notes. Otherwise, definitely go check out her, her show. She's actually totally not worth it. Totally. I could have told you that. <laughs> I could have told you that before I ever submitted the, the questions. It's, uh, yeah. If you ever wanted to know what it's like to ask me pretty much any question and get an actual answer, because I will answer. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, she's done another uh, interview here recently as well for one of the guys over at Zero Fortitude, I believe, that podcast. So, And she's done some others in the past, so definitely go check it out. She's uh, doing a lot more interviews. I think she did a hell of a job coming up with questions and stuff. Was I, a good series of questions. Yeah, I think she did really, really well. So, you know, she asked some upfront stuff uh, of me and then turned around and, and turned out questions from that. And some, some of them are some that she tends to ask everybody, like all interviewers do. And some of them were kind of focused in on my response to her pre-interview questions. So it's pretty good. I, I, like I told her, she can be a, an interviewing correspondent for us anytime she wants. <laughs> All right, so. Game reviews. That's right. There was, there was a Z on the end. All right, we're going to take a look at two games today. Both of them are on Kickstarter right now. First one is Evolution, which we did do an initial impressions video on our YouTube channel. So you can check that out if you would like to. It was Jordan and I. 
been a while since Jordan and I did a video together, so it was a little strange. Well, I don't want to come between you and Megan. <laughs> she she is the most requested part of our YouTube channel. I told her the other day. Understandably so. Yeah, I told her the other day at some point I'm just going to like, here's the game. <laughs> you got another request. Could do it. Yeah, let me know when you're done. <laughs> I'm just going to field it off all off to her and stuff. But uh, Evolution, we took a look at. This is from North Star Games. This, uh, again, this is their uh, attempt to get into the more serious board gaming side, less party games. I don't know. I'm assuming they'll still kind of do party games. I think they're just trying to expand out their line. And what are we doing in evolution? Well, you're taking basically species, blank species, as it were, and you're evolving them with various traits to have them eat as much food as possible, <laughs> really, because your main end goal scoring is on how much food you've eaten. So you actually get points on three things. It's how much food. Man, I would be a winner <laughs> every day. <Yeah. laughs> This was the perfect I game. Top of the chain. The perfect game to bring into the All Us Geeks <laughs> compound, let me tell you. You've seen me on video. You know what I'm talking about. This is one of those games, you know how people take games to coffee shops and everything else. This is one you take to White Castle, get yeah. one of the big plates in the middle. And DJs, make... <laughs> man, six pack and a pound. <laughs> and, and just make that like your food. So, okay, I get two. <laughs> that would be amazing. Oh, my God. We're going. <laughs> Is there even a White Castle in Rochester? Not in Rochester. That's a trip to the city. That's a trip to the cities. <laughs> <laughs> Let's just stick with the six pack and a pound. <laughs> eh. We'll negotiate. Well, then we don't have to leave town. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Now you're just getting lazy. You're not evolving very much for this game. I'm already at the top of the food chain. <laughs> Ask the cow that I ate or your day. So what are we doing in evolution, Jeff? All right. In evolution. <laughs> Uh, you are taking species and expanding species on your side and your opponents are doing the same and giving species up to three traits, each species, and using those traits to potentially either uh, help you hide from carnivores and predators or to get more food. And the end game scoring is based on amount of food you've eaten and collected. The number of species that you still have alive at the end of the game on your side. And that, and, and that's based on that particular species population. So however you've been able to grow them as the game goes on in population size and the number of traits on each species. And those are the three things you get points for. So how you play this game? Well, each first you need very large hands. First you need a very large table, <laughs> uh, potentially. This is a table space kind of game. It is. It is real Definitely. estate intensive. Yes. So how you play this game, each player is going to start with a single blank species, and it starts at population one, body size one. And so that's where everybody starts, blank species, population one, body size one. And you will start with a number of trait cards that are in your hand. It's three plus however many species you have. So start of the game, everybody's going to have four cards. First thing you're going to do is take a look at your cards and decide which one you are not going to keep because the card not only has a trait on it and a trait ability, but there's a number in the right-hand corner, bottom, uh, right. bottom right corner, uh, that is a food amount. It's a number, and it is going to be, when you give it up, it's how much food you're giving it up for. So everybody's going to put a card in the middle of the table face down. 
So everybody's given up a card. And whatever the total of those cards are, that's how much food's going to be available in the middle of the table for people to, or for the species to eat. So you lose, you lose the card. Now, starting with the first player and going around the table, you can use the remainder of your cards in any way you want. Uh, and how you can do that is you can put them face down in front of a species and that will signify that you're adding it to that species as a trait. And each species can have up to three traits on them. Or you can discard a card face up to increase your population by one. Or you can discard a card face up to increase your body size by one. You can also discard a card face up to add a new species to your side of the table. And when you do that, it starts at 1-1 one, one as well. Population 1, body size 1. And you can keep cards. You don't have to play them. If you don't want to, you can keep them for another round. You can also replace an existing trait. Yes. If you're full up on three, but you know you want to change something, you just discard the existing as uh, essentially you're just overlaying. You yep. discard the existing and put down a new face down. Right. And you, like I said, you do that in turn order. So uh, I would put all my stuff down. And then if I was first player, then Jordan would decide how he's going to do his stuff. And again, it's, you know, traits and am I getting more population? Am I increasing my body size? Now, why would you want to increase your population? Well, one, I told you it's also end of game scoring, but you can only eat as much as you have a population for each species. So if you want more food, your population needs to increase and you need more species. Why would you increase your body size? Well, body size determines if a carnivore, if somebody puts a carnivore trait on a species, they don't get the food in the middle because the food in the middle is plant food. So carnivore no longer eats plants. They attack other creatures, other species. They so, eat the plant eaters. Yes, they eat the plant eaters. So they can only attack species that have a body size less than theirs. So you increase your body size to try to not be eaten, basically, to protect yourself from being eaten. Once everybody's decided, like I said, uh, face down and all that good stuff, what traits are coming out, if population's going up and, and whatnot, go ahead and reveal. everybody will reveal those. And so you'll see what traits are on all the different species. And those traits do all kinds of things. I mean, like, like I said, kind of towards the beginning, there are traits to try to hide you from the carnivores or make it more difficult for you to be eaten by a carnivore. There are traits that help the carnivores find you based on a certain trait. So, for instance, camouflage. If a species has camouflage, the only carnivore that can eat it is one with good eyesight. So there's a good eyesight trait. There's a camouflage trait. So there's usually a balance between the various defense and offensive traits. There's also things that help you get more food. There's things like long neck that tells you when the food is revealed and counted for the middle of the table, you take two outside of that. So food that's still off to the, the side that's not in the middle. Uh, I believe it's the watering hole is what they call the middle and the food bank is the, the food that's off to the side that nobody can touch. So the long neck creature, as soon as the food cards are revealed, can take two out of the food bank instead of worrying about whether or not they're going to get some from the watering hole. Things like burrowing says if you're full on food, if you eat up to your population, you go underground and hide. And then there's things like ambush, which uh, allows you to attack you can, the warning call. You avoid you the, warning call. the warning call. And you can also discard a card in your hand to also ignore another trait. 
Right. So if you ambush, you can use an ambush to discard a card and bypass a burrowing creature. Right. You just reach down into the ground and Smack nibble them. on that thing yep. in its cave. So and there's all kinds of cool little things like that. There's there's things like cooperation, which allows the creature next to you to eat as well. If you eat, all kinds of cool little things ha- happening at once, uh, and and a lot of different traits. There are a lot of different traits and a lot of different ways to make mix and match them and, and make them interact. So all of those go face up. And now we know what all the creatures look like on the board. And then we go to feeding. So in feeding, we'll flip all the cards that were put in the middle that everybody kind of threw in the middle that, that they couldn't use. Add up whatever the total is for the food number. That amount of plant food will go in the middle. And that'll become the watering hole food. And then starting with the first player, you go and feed. So you decide basically which one of your species you're going to feed. You don't have to feed them in order, so you decide which order. And depending on which one you pick and the traits that are involved, you take whatever amount of food that you are allowed to. The norm is one piece. So one piece of plant food for somebody. And you just go around until either everybody's full or there's no more food in the middle. The exception is the carnivore. If you decide to feed a carnivore, like we said, you don't get plant food. You have to actually attack another creature. Now, a carnivore has to eat. So if there is no opponent creature that you can eat, you have to try to eat one of your own creatures. It is a Ben Stiller moment. (laughs) Madagascar, if you haven't seen it. Madagascar 2. So... Yeah, yeah. No, yeah, you're, yeah, yeah. you're picturing Chris Rock and <laughs> Ben Stiller on your side of the table. So when the carnivore eats, it gets food, meat. So there are cubes that represent meat versus the plant food. The plant- <laughs> I was going to say, in, in the product we have, pre-prod, the plant food is green and the, the meat is red. red right. And uh, one of the, I think one of the stretch goals is they're looking at tokens that actually show plants and like legs from the animals that are in the, in the pictures and stuff like that. But so yeah, it, you'll get meat cubes versus plant cubes. So you don't take out of the watering hole, you take off to the side. And what do you get? Well, whichever creature you've attacked, that creature's population will go down by one and you will get meat equal to their body size and you can eat whatever you're allowed to eat. So if your population is still only one, and but their body size was two, you're only going to get one food because uh, you eat up to your population. So that is how the carnivores eat. Now, this is something that they might tweak, I've, I've heard recently. I don't know if you saw this, but let's say that creature that got attacked had three food and was at three population, had already eaten up to three food and had a three population. The carnivore comes along, munches it, takes it down to two population. Now, when we come to the end of feeding phase, the rules that we got state that you score off up to your population. So the fact that you got munched down, you don't have that extra food anymore. You would only put two cubes in your bag. And that's one of the things you get. You get a baggie that holds the food you're going to score at the end of the game. So the food is kind of blind to other players till the end game. Uh, so you're not sitting with a bunch of cubes in front of you that somebody quick counts or something like that. They all kind of go into a bag. One of the tweaks, I guess, that they're potentially looking at is uh, if you've eaten it, you score it. Even if your population goes down, I'm not sure what I, I think about didn't. that. Because yeah. one of the valuable tactics for the carnivore is to eat down somebody that's already wasted a turn getting full up, right. and then having them waste that uh, 
that, that that's, food. That's how I feel too. I, I think if anything, if you want to make it a kinder, gentler like variant, hmm. that's fine. But I, I like, and I, I was talking to somebody that was talk uh, on BGG that was commenting on our video. Maybe we'll try it at some point, but I kind of liked it and it fits in with our style of gameplay. Kind of like the cutthroaty of, well, you know, I've chomped on your population. I've, I've gotten some food because of it. Now you're going to lose a cube of scoring. We actually kind of really liked that. that yeah. Aspect I, I, of it's, it. uh, it's a good, uh, as it stands now, I think it's a better, better rule than letting you score for a pop that isn't there. Yeah. And I guess I think I saw part of the reason. It died with a full belly. Let it go. <laughs> Let it go. Well, part of, I think part of the reason or part of the explanation of it was that the whole span of what's going on takes place in a, a long span of time, like the evo- evolution of the species and all that. So you've eaten that food many years ago kind of thing. I, like yeah. I said, I, I'm all right with it if, as a kinder, gentler variant, but I like the rules we got. I thought we can just ignore, ignore yeah, that rule. Yeah, we're totally <laughs> ignoring that rule. Your mileage may vary. <laughs> if if you want a less confrontational game, that's it's not a bad rule. It's you're still going to have the main confrontation of carnivores must eat, <laughs> but you might still you know get some extra couple points here or there because of it. Anyway, so you get to the end of feeding. You score off the food depending on which rule you're using. Uh, you put those cubes in your bag. And then you basically pass the player marker and continue on to uh, rinse and repeat from there. You go back to the top, you get cards three plus however many species you have in front of you, and you do it all over again. So, and you keep doing that until the massive deck <laughs> of species that you get runs out. And then when it's fully drained, that's signals your last round. And so you, Play that one last round, and then you go to end game scoring, which again is however much food you were able to collect in your baggie, uh, one point per food. You get a point per population for each of your species, and then you get a point per trait that is still on any of your species that are out. And then whoever has the most points wins. From there, let's go to components. Uh, again, this was a prototype. We can at least tell you a good idea from what we've seen, what we think of of uh, what is going to potentially come with this game. So what did you think of the components for this game? What we think is the finished art on many of the cards is good. Some of it's a little lighthearted, like, you know, fat stores or whatever uh, that fat was. Fat tissue. Fat tissue. Uh, some of it's a little creepy. The burrower <laughs> is just a... You know, it says you're not supposed to burrow unless you're fully satisfied on your food, but that looks like a little emaciated something yeah, that's... sitting in a cave. Yeah. For the most part, yeah. Well, so what we've seen in the finished art, it's very good. It's, uh, it fits what it needs to be. It's, it works as a descriptor picture of the trait, you know, unstable DNA was a DNA chain with, yep. you know, that splits, uh, you know, the fatty tissue just looked like a fat mouse, you know, it's, <laughs> there's, it, 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 it's good artwork. Beyond that, we just had the paper printouts backed on magic cards. But yeah. as long as these come with a decent card stock, a standard card size, you know, none of that crazy FFG, you know, <laughs> mini cards or anything like that. Although that would be a good space saving for the, for the table. No, from what we've seen, even if they don't do anything fancy with the tokens, you know, just the, the red and green plastics and, you know, it, it's good. There, there's not a lot needed here. So they've got, if they want to shoot their wad on deluxe components, uh, uh, they've got a lot of room to go up, but what we've seen is not bad. 
No, it was definitely a, a decent component. It's like we, like we kind of joked about, it, and we joked about it in the video as well. That, I mean, you get a ton of cards, you get a ton of traits to go through, and, and like like we kind of said in the video too, is uh, when we first approached it as a two player game, we were like, oh my god, this is going to take forever. And I think we checked two or three times: is is the end game really when the deck <laughs> runs out? Because that's going to take a while, but it really doesn't. It ramps up really quick. So you get a, t- a ton of cards that comes with it. You're going to get the cubes or tokens, whatever they end up going with for food. Uh, you know, you get the baggies to hide your food until the end of game scoring. You get the species cards, which the ones we got go up to seven. I think the ones I saw on the actual Kickstarter go to six. So I don't know if that was a change made somewhere. Uh, but either way, I mean, it's, uh, we rarely got fully up that far anyway. Although there are a couple traits that can help you get there if you really focus on them and keep, keep them on the board. <laughs> So yeah, there's, there's a lot of things that, like I said, the one thing that we kind of looked at is, I mean, I, I've got a decent sized gaming table and we still took up a, a fair amount of gaming space because the species spread out, you know, left to right. Uh, whenever you game, gain a new species, which is one of the things I didn't say, but whenever you gain a new species, it has to go either to the left or the right of species you already have. You can't like put it in the middle. You can't put it above or anything like that because some of the trait cards trigger off of, uh, your left or right. Uh, species, your neighboring species. So, uh, it just goes left to right. And like I said, you can't take a species and kind of wedge it between two you already have. You just expand out from the left to the right. But between that and putting three cards in front of each species potentially and that they're long rectangle kind of cards for collecting food and, and you're tracking your population and your body size, it takes up a bit of space. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like Jordan said, I mean, it's the components look like they're going to be good again. We, we're, Dealing with a prototype, but what we got, if they, if they even made it just based off of this, if they stayed with the cubes, if they stayed with all of that stuff, solid game and decent components. And I, I I'm happy with it. Mm-hmm. And yeah. And not only the artwork that we got to see, but the artwork that they've been showing off on the Kickstarter. I, I like the direction that they've kind of gone with the art. Yes. All right. Mechanics. What'd you think of our mechanics? It's, uh, it's mechanically a very sound game. It's very variable what the actual steps are, are are very simple you know draw drop feed score but the variability of how you change up your species and how the feeding then changes every round that is an excellent mechanic as i said in the video i uh, saw somebody online that described this as a puzzle game and it very much is that in terms of you're trying to at the same time defend and defeat what your opponents yeah. are doing that round too you want to have the most survivable species mixed with uh if you want an aggressive species species uh, what we didn't say is carnivores are not mandatory you don't have to put a carnivore on the table mm-hmm. you can completely be grass eaters and and work to be very defensive or at least hard to kill grass eaters and and play your game that way. Carnivores come up just as traits, uh, like anything else. It's not a specific type of species. So every round you can change up some or all of your traits if you have the cards. And every round is, as, as this person said, a bit of a puzzle game. So I think that is the best mechanic and the strongest aspect of this game from a mechanical standpoint, a mechanics yep. standpoint. <laughs> And the, uh, the other thing is, like you mentioned, is carnivore is just another trait. So you can actually evolve out of being a carnivore mm-hmm. too, if you really want to. And, uh, one of the things like I had brought up is, you know, our, our love of the princess bride bluffing moment, mm-hmm. which this very much has. I mean, let, let's say I'm first player and 
Jordan's been sitting on a tasty, you know, I've got a carnivore. Jordan's been sitting on a tasty veggie eater that's had camouflage forever. I finally got the good eyesight card. You know, as first player, I got to play, I'm supposed to play my cards first. If I, am I throwing good eyesight down or do I think he's going to take camouflage away this turn and maybe put something else on it? You know, that, that kind of stuff. Cause I mean, he, he could make it burrowing or he could, you know, or climbing, climbing or yeah. Give or, it horns yeah. or, or give it horns because then it'll hurt me to eat it or, uh, give the species next to it warning call mm-hmm. if I don't have ambush out. So all of these different things kind of work together to where, you know, you're not only, you want the traits that are best for you to get food, but especially if you're working carnivores at all, you want traits to be able to not have to eat on your side of the table if you don't have to, because eating an opponent's creatures not only gets you food, but it takes down their population. And and one of the things I don't think we said was if you actually eat a species that is at population one, so it can't decrease, it goes extinct. And what happens when a creature goes extinct is it gets discarded, the car, the traits on it get discarded. The player gets to draw cards equal to the number of traits they're discarding, but that's just going back in their hand. So that, that species will go away. If it happens to be the only species that a player has, then at the very end, when you're putting cubes in for scoring, they'll get a species back. That's a one, one. You always have at least one species, but if they have multiple species, they just lose it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's no player elimination. Yeah. If you want to make a hardcore, you know, cutthroat version, then yeah, that's, that's the, uh, there's another variant variant I want to see. The other thing that I like from the mechanic standpoint, I don't know if we mentioned it is carnivores have to eat every round. I think we mentioned that, but if you're not able to eat across the table from you for whatever reason, you don't have good eyesight, you can't climb, everybody's burrowed for whatever reason, everything is defensively taken away from you. The carnivore does eat its own side of the table Mm -hmm. if it can. Right. So if, and I tried to do this a couple of times, to force Jeff to eat his own people, you know, I, I threw up just a big defensive wall of of climbing creatures. I I ended up with one hand with like three climbing cre- three climbing <laughs> traits. So I just put everybody up in a tree, and then his little carnivore was over there going, "Where did everybody go? <laughs> oh, he's right beside me." Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So I mean, that that's kind of a cool thing. Rules. We are looking at a prototype, so we just got like sheets, uh, you know, eight, eight and a half by 11 paper and rules. But even with just that, again, it's, it's not an overly complex game, uh, to, to sit down and learn. So the rules were pretty good. The rules were solid. The rules were something that I went through. Easily understood it. Ryan had reached out to me and, and asked if I had any questions before we played. I was like, no, I, I think I'm really good on the, the beginning now. There are some wording things that are going to be fixed later for some traits that we played one way that actually should be a different way now that we, that I've asked the question. I totally disagree. <laughs> I totally disagree. I'm playing foraging that way forever, <laughs> but that is like one or two cards here or there. And, and it, there, it didn't stop us from really. I mean, it we came up with our own thought process behind it. We weren't alone, which is that. a scary thought. <laughs> yeah, it, it, is. It, it is scary, but like <laughs> I said, we weren't alone because I've talked to other people that had kind of played that way, and I've kind of told them, "No, I heard this right from them. This is the way it's going to be. They are going to do a word change, yada yada." But the actual rules sat down, read them one night. Was good to go. Waiting for Jordan to come over so we could get our uh, our first plays in. Read it again. Was good to go. And we really, I, I mean, again, it's a, a simple set of things that you're actually your step by steps. Uh, after that, it's the traits on the on the mm-hmm. board. So we really didn't have to refer to the rules very much. I didn't think. Yeah, just to get you up and playing 
uh, what they provided. If they slap it in a, it can even be a smaller book with nice gloss. It's, it, it's fine. Yeah. Like you say, all the corrections they're looking at are not, are not rules for the most part. It's, it, it's trait, trait yeah. and clarification. So then that'll take us into teachability. Again, I think this is a, an easy one to teach. The only thing some people might have an issue with, and I think it'll be few and fair, it depends on who you're trying to teach it to, will be the fact that you have all the variable traits. The actual gameplay, nobody's going to have an issue picking up. It's the variable traits and how to make them interact that somebody may have. Again, if you have a more casual gamer, they might struggle with that a little bit, but how to play the game, the step-by-steps, that's pretty straightforward, I think. Theme. What did you think of the theme on Evolution? Well, as a young Earth creationist, I find this abhorrent uh, at all levels. Uh, no, it's, uh, you know, my last delve into evolution-type games was Sim Earth, which was just a kick in the balls. It, it was a horrible game. Horrible. This, however, is fun because you're not starting with an asteroid strike. <laughs> you have species in front of you. It's very self-contained. Uh, you're only worrying about a few I mean, at most, I had five species at one point. Yeah, because I've got eight cards one turn. No matter how much you expand, food controls expansion. So there's a built-in limiter. When you throw your cards in to determine how much food you have, you might have a surplus. Generally, you won't. And if there's not enough food to feed all your animals, all your creatures, they will die. If you don't have enough food, to, if you got a pop three and the last piece of food gets you to pop two, then... Pop three starves down to two. Right. So there's a built-in limiter there, and that helps move things along too. So thematically, in terms of both the genetic side and the environmental side, I think it does a good job of giving you a really simple concept of what people think survival of the fittest is. Uh, I think it's a, it's a good, it's a good look at evolution. I agree. And that was the thing I was trying to remember earlier was the not having enough food, your population starves down, which is another nice little thing, a nice little piece of the mechanic uh, that's involved with this game. I agree. The theme, I like the theme in this one. I think it's really well done. It's not one of those games that's like thick in theme. You know, there's not like a, a ton of backstory or anything like that, but what it gives you and what it attempts to do and the way it explains how it's using the mechanics with this theme is very solid. I, I like it a lot. At first look, sometime I, I wondered if that was going to be. Yes. I just had the thought for the best expansion. <laughs> X-Men. I, I, I thought I thought we already did our, our expansion for Sharks with Lasers. Well, you know, whatever. <laughs> you know, Dr. Evil or X-Men. Just... <laughs> <laughs> Ruby visors, wings. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Continue. Sorry. Yeah. I think it does a, a good job with tying the mechanics into the theme and explaining how the mechanics fit into the theme. The, you know, you're, you're eating and you're evolving with the different traits and starving down and how a large body size creature can defend itself against a smaller carnivore. All of those things kind of mixed in. Uh, I, I, I like the theme on this one. I think they did a really good job with it. All right. So final uh, fun factor slash overall. What do you got? A fun game. There's a, 
enough. It's not outright screw your neighbor, but if you want to go totally defensive or, and the one thing to note on food, it's, they're not all positive numbers. When you're contributing to the food pile, you might contribute zero. The card you throw in might be zero, you know, trying to force a sor- shortage if you have, uh, or negative. if you're the first player or I saw a negative one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you might actually be hindering the food supply, which if you have carnivores or you know you're going first and you can chain some cooperation to suck up all the food in one action. So there's just a, just enough soft core screw your neighbor to be fun. The mechanics are fun. The concepts. I have a lot of fun trying to make a logical creature out of all my traits, <laughs> which maybe not everybody will do, but I think it's funny. And it, it's, it, it is a fun game. Uh, like I said in the, uh, initial impressions video um <laughs> i think this would be much better at max players mm-hmm. two players it can be a bit repetitive but always you're trying to get the best creature for the round you're not trying to get the ultimate because nothing sticks around so every round is like its own new little game because you're trying to get the best combination for that round and it's really enjoyable i i really like this game and i hope it succeeds well, it's more than succeeded. Well, yeah, yeah. But, <laughs> I mean, it's doing very well on Kickstarter. Not only succeed, but I hope it gets pub outside of the Kickstarter right. community. And I and I think it will, especially with it one being North uh, North, North Star, Star Games, yeah. who already has a a good popular distribution channel. But the game is just ringing true with a lot of people. Obviously, I mean, the Kickstarter is doing very very well. They had a vote. They've changed out. I think the next. I think it's the next stretch goal is going to be for six players. So right now it's two to five. Uh, they're going to include the components to take it to six if that stretch goal is hit. Uh, so yeah, it's, it's a, it's a great solid little game that we've had a lot of fun with. That would be cool because that would make it an even faster game. Yeah. Not like this game dragged it too. No. But this is definitely a game where it would benefit from speed because you can either A, get another game in mm-hmm. or, you know, just work through like, my own little twisted mind, getting more creatures out to try to make a logical creature on the board. Yeah. Well, and one of the things that I enjoyed about it was not necessarily attempting to define what my creature was, but playing around with the different traits and and how you can kind of get them to work together and stuff like that. You know, like one of my favorite combinations ended up kind of being the long neck burrowing creature, you know, which... <laughs> well, I'm that's, full now. I'm just going to wrap my head around know, my torso and roll into That's a, a whole hole. lot of burrowing right there. <laughs> I, I've already, I reached up into the trees and pulled out some food. Now I'm going underground. <laughs> grabbers <laughs> yeah <laughs> so but just working with the different things you know foraging and and the fat tissue or you can store extra food beyond your population and just playing around with all these traits and kind of intermixing them and, and seeing how they work together was a lot of fun to me and uh yeah and and the one thing i we didn't mention here either is that you know we got to to the end of games and we weren't sure who was actually winning mm-hmm. until we counted everything up so it was very close and he and the short look we gave in the video a lot of through that video and when i rewatched it for editing i mean it did it looked like like you were just creaming me because i pretty much kept to one species and i got wiped off the board one time and you had like three species out at one point or something like that or, or more and for that one round, you know, I was only like six or seven points behind you. So, I mean, that, that is an easy catch up right there. That's mm-hmm. just, you know, population and food, you know, kind of thing. And, and so that was one of the things we kind of enjoyed about it too, is the scoring kind of went back and forth. And by the time we got to the end of it, it's like, 
I, I don't know who won. Let's we got We actually have to count yeah. this up. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, that was a lot of fun. So definitely check this one out on Kickstarter till June sixteenth. Our next game is Ghosts Love Candy. Ghosts Love, love Candy. candy. <laughs> Please don't sue us. <laughs> I think at this point they have they're happy somebody remembers the song. Oh, <laughs> sad now. Uh, Ghosts love candy is on Kickstarter right now. Also, if they're listening, awesome. <laughs> Thank you. Ghosts love candy is a two to six player game. It's coming out with from Fifth Street Games. Not fourth, not sixth, fifth. fifth. Get it right. And uh Ghost Love Candy, what are we doing here? Uh it is a You're making kids sick. This is a cruel <laughs> game. But eh, what do you care in the afterlife? <laughs> Ghosts, you are a ghost who misses one of their favorite things in life, eating candy. So luckily, Halloween is right around the corner, so you get to basically influence and possess kids dressed up and make them eat as much candy as possible, but if you're the ghost that makes them sick, you kind of got to take care of a sick kid and, and get some negative points along the way. In this game, you get a craving card, which has all the different types of candy that are on it, and it's uh, randomized how many points you're going to get for each piece of candy. So each player is going to score different points for different types of candy. So it goes from five points, which is the candy that you want the most, down to zero points, the candy you care about the least. And again, this is randomized for each player and is kept secret. You kind of get some ideas as the game goes along, but you know, starting off, you don't know, especially that middle ground, you don't know where their middle points are kind of coming from. And then there are uh, sets of ghost cards. So there's ghost cards numbered one through nine in each player's color. And each one has a unique image, ghost image and, and name. So those are the cards that you're going to use to try to kind of influence the kids. Then you get a draw bag uh, that's going to have all the candy in it. So you blind draw candy out of the bag to put on each of the kids that they've kind of collected as they've been trick-or-treating so you don't know which kid is going to have which candy until it comes out uh you get the first player token which is the king ghost token you get 24 kids cards and there's 48 pieces of candy uh that will be in that bag so 48 pieces of it jack sparrow <laughs> how do you play the game uh again you have your craving cards so you know what you're looking for for points. Each player is going to have their ghosts that are one through nine. It's just going to be in your hand. It's not like a deck that you pull from or anything like that. You actually get to select which card you're going to play each turn. There's going to be in a three to four player game, there's six kids in the middle. Uh, I believe in a two player game, that's eight. And in a five to six player, no, in a two player game, it's four kids. In a five to six player game, it's eight kids in the middle. The first player token goes to whoever ate a piece of candy last. And all the candy goes in the bag and gets shaken up. And then gameplay goes as follows. You place candy. So, uh, you've got the, we'll say in a three to, we'll, we'll stick with the three to four player game because we played, uh, that a bit and you place candy. So somebody will take candy out of the bag and put one piece on each kid that's still active. So just kind of go across the six kids and put a piece of candy on them. So that's the candy that they will start with. Now, each of these kids has a sick value. So let's say it's like 10. 
Uh, and what that means is the ghosts that are underneath them, kind of influencing them, taking possession of them to steal their candy, all have a point value on them. Like I said, one through nine. And if all the ghosts underneath them equal 10 or more, that particular kid will get sick. Whoever was the last ghost played there that made the kid sick gets that kid and will get negative two points at the end of the game for making a kid sick. All these kids also have special abilities on them. So it's things like move candy around, move ghosts around. You know, uh, you, this kid can't or can't get sorry. Two kids on the side of this one can't get sick until this one gets sick. The zombie is, you know, you, you make it sick, but once another kid gets sick, you put the zombie in the middle. Zombie in the middle. Zombie, <laughs> zombie, in the middle. zombie back in the kid deck. <laughs> back out collecting candy, basically. So, uh, it's basically, it's kind of cool in that how the kids are dressed up for Halloween kind of affects their abilities. So you place the candy, then everybody chooses a ghost, uh, at the same time. So again, you've got one through nine. Uh, the higher your number, if you play the highest number, you're going to go first. It is a bit of a one card bid at that, at that yeah. point. Yep. So everybody will select a ghost at the same time, flip them all up. And, uh, whoever has the highest ghost gets to choose which kid they're going to go possess at that time. And it'll continue. If there are ties in the number on the ghost, it goes by first player and player order. So that'll determine, that'll break the tie. And when you place your kid, you place it under, or I'm sorry, when you place your ghost, place it under a kid, you take whatever candy is on that kid, and then you look at their special ability, trigger that if you, some of them are may, so you don't necessarily have to, uh, but you'll determine if you're triggering that ability, and then you'll determine if the kid is sick or not. And so you do that, and basically that's kind of a round, and then you kind of keep going that way. You keep playing the game until... Uh, you run out of candy out of the bag and that's, that triggers the, uh, last round in a, in the three to four, well, at least in the four player game, we didn't run into it. We, we played exactly eight rounds in a two player game. You're going to get a few more rounds. So what you do is when you get down to just having one card left, you get all your discards back. So, um, as kids get sick, the cards underneath them go into a discard pile. So if you get to that round where you only have one card left to choose, you get all your discards back. So you have more to choose from. So it's not like you, the other players know exactly what you're playing kind of thing. Also, if you don't clear the candy off a kid, like you don't put a ghost on there, right. the candy will accumulate from round to round. Yes. So it does make a certain kid more attractive. If maybe you're scoring zero for licorice, but he's got two, two candy corns on you that are getting five. So maybe you don't want the licorice, but he's got three things on you. Yeah. Uh, so he might have a, might have a crappy ability, but that's big points for you right there. So. Yep. And then the other thing too, going the opposite way, it might not be your best candy, but the ability is really nice that has the potential to, Get you candy maybe off of another kid or from another player, stuff or no, like that. no candy at all. You can yep. go somewhere with no candy just for the ability, right? Yep. Yeah. So all all those things, and again, you just keep going until there's no candy left in the bag, and that'll be your final round. And then once that's done, you go ahead and total up your points. Like I said, your your candy craving card is going to tell you how many points you get for each piece of candy you've collected, and that's variable by each player. And then you're going to get negative two points for each kid that you've made sick in your stash pile. Uh, and again, there are not only abilities, but well, abilities only that can potentially adjust some of those kids, but. Once the game's over, whatever kids are still in your stash pile that you've made sick, you get negative two points for those. Whoever's got the most points wins. And then I believe the tiebreaker is least amount of sick kids if it's still a tie. And that's how you play Ghosts Love Candy. All right. Again, this is a prototype. 
It's on Kickstarter right now for the final version. But uh, overall, what do you think of the potential components for this one? From the cards, these look like fairly finished product in terms of cards. So if we get something at least like this, uh, you know, maybe they're going to change the char- size of the card stuff, you know, whatever. But we got good cards for a pre-prod, better, very much better than some of the other pre-prod cards we've got for other games. So the cards are nice. The candy tokens were cool, you know. They, uh, other than the licorice, everything was very, <laughs> very obvious what it was supposed to be. The licorice looked like razor, razor blade, razor blade stuck in something. <laughs> uh, that was questionable. Maybe that tells you something about how the designers feel about licorice. <laughs> the little the candy bag could do to be a little bit bigger because nobody has hands that small. It's <laughs> nobody, at least nobody that's going to be responsible for laying out the candy. Your ghost cards were were good. The art, I'm going to assume, given the quality of cards received, that this is finished art. So on yeah, the kids, I think this is, is pretty much. And I think if I remember, I think Danny, I think the designer also did the art on this. Oh, multiple hats done well. The art on the cards is well, not simplistic because that gives you the impression that it's not good, but it's. It didn't need to be stellar. This was not, you know, a Fantasy Flight Warhammer game. This was, uh, this is a family friendly kid game and the art embraces that. The kids are, mm-hmm. uh, in costume. Uh, the costumes are obvious, but it's not, uh, it's not hardcore costume. So it's no. the, the art is good for, and it, it is what is needed. The cards are good. The candy is good. So <laughs> what we received came in a VHS co- box. So <laughs> that was awesome. That was but, funny. Yeah. Hopefully the final packaging is not in VHS unless somebody bought a whole lot of stuff from you know blockbuster on the way out <laughs> uh no the components here that we received uh, pretty good yeah it's it's a very it's a fifth street games game very much so it's very it's family friendly it's uh, it's a uh, cartoon style art it looks really great like i said th- i believe this is like i said danny not only designed the game but i believe he's the one doing all the art for this and I like it for what this this game is, for the theme behind it. The art style they've chosen to go with works very well for this game. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what the end result tokens are going to look like, what they're going to make those out of. But, yeah, the tokens with the bag, and you're right, the, the bag needs to be bigger. You sent a game to fat-fingered reviewers here. <laughs> you sent a game to adults. It doesn't matter that we have fat fingers. <laughs> uh so yeah, other other than that, but everything. Although it's still better than the bags that came with Dice Masters. <laughs> oh, the paper, the wax paper are, bags. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I like the components in this one. I I think they've done a good job with putting together components and and putting together the the art and and components to work with the theme that they've chosen for this game. So yeah, definitely. Uh, mechanics. What did you think of the mechanics overall? Solid. The actual rules themselves are pretty concise and and easy to follow. And the mechanics on the kids' cards are straightforward. We never really ran into anything that led to a break-the-game moment. Mm -hmm. Nothing interacts with each other like that. It's simple. There's just a couple phases, and each part of each phase is very straightforward. And then the kids themselves are also very straightforward. Yeah. I think one of the things we didn't mention was when a kid gets sick, a new kid comes out right away. So you get a new kid out right away with a new ability to kind of take his place in the row, take their place in the row. And that's one of the... It's not child elimination. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> and, and that's one of the things I, I like too is 
the variable powers that come off of the deck. I mean, it's it's not variable powers by player. It's variable powers by the kids as they flip up and, and w- how you can interact with them. So everybody has access to those powers potentially, but they vary every time a new kid comes on. And sometimes depending on their position in the row, because the ability either on them or to their left or right might affect to the left or right, you know, that kind of thing. So I thought all of that was really cool. Uh, I did enjoy that. I, I didn't enjoy seeing new kids kind of come onto the table and, and seeing what they, what ability they were offering. I liked the, this is another one of those games where it's cute and it's got the cartoon style, but it has that screw your neighbor for us that, I mean, it, it, you can use the kids and everything else. And, you know, there, there's like one kid where, where you move a ghost, you move the ghosts around. And yeah. so you can move it. So one of your opponents makes a kid sick and different things like that. And you Take can move candy yeah, from somebody's stack yeah, or, and move candy yeah. and, and all kinds of, uh, of stuff like that. So. There's a lot of cool things going on to me in this game. And one of the cool things is the fact that even for such a family friendly style game for players like us, we can get into the screw your neighbor aspect of it and still have a, a good time finding those things. I, while we were playing at one point, there was the Jordan moment where he looked at me and was like, what color are you again? <laughs> and I knew what was coming. <laughs> So rules, you kind of already stated this, but the rules are really straightforward, really simple. There's not a lot to the phases, so it's very easy to kind of go through and learn that. We didn't have any problems with the rules. We didn't have any lingering questions about the rules. And really, it's another game where it comes down to what's on the kids and how that interacts. Is is Once you know the phases, once you know the base of playing the game it's all down to reading the kids and not really referring to the rules at all so teachability what did you think it's pretty easy so we got to play it with megan and sarah and uh yeah i don't think anybody really had any kind of issues learning the game well two people had immediate (laughs) issues with the effects of the kids yes but once the lawyer got out lawyered (laughs) uh things went smoothly (laughs) Yeah, it was it was less about learning the game and more about yeah, just keeping track of that. Yeah, it was it was more about and I, and again, I, this is one of those things that and this is one of the, the the reasons why I also potentially bumped up this review because I think this will come out before the video and Megan and I might, may reshoot part of the video, but Megan. This is the type of game that Megan has to play multiple times before she'll get her actual, because that first game and not, and being a more casual gamer, variable powers kind of sometimes confuse her a bit or sets, set, sets her off a little bit so that she, she doesn't quite interact with that well because she's not used to those style of games. And it usually takes her two or three games to really kind of get into that. So it was, you know, we played this and, and we played it a few times. And then usually before we do a video, Megan and I will play one more time. And then again in the video, when we did the video, we did not play before the video. We played during the video. And so we did our initial impression up front where she was just like, yeah, I liked it. But she, you could tell she was kind of hesitant on it. And then we did the play for the video. And then once the camera was off, she's like, okay, I really like that this time around. You know, and it was like, okay, well, that's not how you came off in the video though. Yeah. So, after our first play, it was like, eh, yeah, this is a game. <laughs> yeah, and, and it all came down to the fact that trying to track the variable powers for her. And like I said, that once she's used to that, she's fine with it. So learning the game, 
not an issue. If you're dealing with really casual players, maybe some of the abilities. Although I, again, I don't necessarily think so. I mean, I think, you know, playing with kids and stuff like that, it'll be fine, but there may be a little bit of that learning curve. And, and especially depending on the kids you're playing with, there may be a lot of that. Okay. No, no, this. Well, does I think this. you could go pretty young on this as long right. as you got somebody there to help manage the effects. Right. And that, that's kind of what I was getting at. You're, you're going to, if you're playing with younger kids and when you're going to be like, all right. Now, but remember, if you do that, this happens or something like that, because of the abilities or remember the person to the left, the the kid to the left does this, you know, that kind of thing. You might have a little bit of that, but yeah, I, I agree with you. And it's going to be, and it, it appeals to kids from the artwork, from the fact that you are, you know, interacting with kids, right? That that's going to appeal to kids too. So this is one, you know, I think Megan and I have talked about, they could easily do the family game night kind of thing, her nieces and nephews and stuff like that. But for her, it was just that little hurdle of the variable powers and getting over that part. But learning the bases, no issues, because it is a, a pretty easy, straightforward game to go through the base steps. All right, theme on this one, what do you think? It's good. I mean, it uh, it's a Halloween-y game, because it's ghosts out on Halloween. You said Halloween-y. <laughs> and everything there is, you know, embraces that. Everybody's got a, a different ghost, and it's all the traditional candy, some good, some crap. I don't know who gives out candy corn. I don't know why they still make that. But uh, it's there, you know, and then you got the razor blade licorice and <laughs> lollipops and stuff like that. So, you know, everything's there. Everything is, uh, you know, this game is a Halloween kind of trick-or-treating game. And, and uh, the theme, the theme embraces that. Again, I think they did a good job with the theme and the art and, and putting it together and the whole being a greedy ghost and trying to get as much candy as you want. But, you know, kids can only eat so much, even though you, you know. You're a ghost. Kids. You don't care. Uh, kind of thing. So I liked that whole aspect of it. I like the idea of, do I want to try to go first? But then, you know, if I'm trying to go first, I'm pulling out this big number, which could be a good thing if it's a new set of kids, could be a bad thing if there's already a bunch of ghosts on kids, that kind of thing. I liked all of that. And I think they did a good job bringing the mechanics in with the theme. And again, the theme is, is it's very, it's cute. It's very cute. It's, it's a very welcoming theme. I think it's a universal type theme uh, that you can play with kids and other gamers and stuff like that. For us, we could kind of easily get the screw your neighbor aspect of it and get into the mixing and matching of the variable powers. And then, you know, more casual gamers could just get into the, the, the game and, and the fact that it's Halloween and trick or treat and kids. Well, that's one and, thing that, that we didn't mention when you talk about the variable powers on the cards, they give you the visual reminder. Some of the cards have the exclamation marks to as the reminder that those are always on, whereas the cards with no exclamation marks are only activated if you interact with that kid and that's uh that's a good add to a lot of these games where they don't do that so you're you're having to keep track of everything everything this gives you a little (laughs) visual reminder of uh you know this you know we keep track every turn this only when you're interacting that's a good add from a from a graphic design definitely yep all right so here we go our fun factor slash overall overall I enjoyed this game, but it's not a game I would buy, but that is my situation. I don't have kids, and I don't entertain kids enough. Age jokes or maturity <laughs> jokes about Jeff aside, I don't entertain kids enough to have this game in my collection. But this is a well-designed, well-put-together, family-friendly, all-ages game. And that's not something that we review a lot. This hits a lot of a lot of check marks. It's It's simple without being dumb 
It looks nice. It plays nice. It is just meaty enough to be enjoyable for an older player, but definitely simple enough to, to, I mean, if you're playing with really young kids, you could just do away with the powers and just make it a, you know, try not to get the kids sick kind of game. There's enough variability there that, uh, there's a lot of replayability. There's what, 48 kids or something like that? 20, 24. 24. So there's, you're never going to see plus stretch goals. Yeah. So you're going to have lots of replayability just in that. So while I do not want to own this, this is an excellent all ages game and it's got a theme that everybody can can get behind whether you know your family does halloween or not everybody knows what halloween is and every you know it's like ticket to ride everybody knows what a train is even if you haven't (laughs) taken a train trip everybody knows what halloween is even if you don't go out there in costume and do that stuff anymore uh even though you're 42 and you kind of want to um It's an enjoyable game. It's a, it's a fun game. It's definitely not a, it's not a bad game that it, it's fun. It's enjoyable. It's light. It's colorful. It's everything that you want to get a kid involved in gaming is in this game. I can get on board with that. This is something that, yeah, if you have kids or you have a casual gamer that's willing to play a lot of different games or, or willing to play games and, you're looking for something that you you know you're not going to want to hit yourself in the head with a hammer on. I enjoyed playing it. I had a lot of fun with it. After a few plays, Megan kind of got the idea of the variable powers and stuff like that and really started enjoying it. Uh we've talked about it, the potential of it with her nieces and nephews. It is definitely a game that has some appeal that has a sound set of mechanics behind it, a nice theme, beautiful looking and a good solid game behind it that again you can get behind it and casual players can enjoy it and kids and family members can enjoy it and you're not going to have that where's the hammer moment <laughs> so definitely a, a a good game i i really did enjoy playing it i'm uh, glad we got to take a look at another fifth street games mm-hmm. So far, I've, I've, I like Danny's stuff. Danny's, yeah. done, Danny's done a good job with this. He did, did a good job with Mob Town. And he did a good job on the art with this one, too. So uh, definitely go check it out. It is on Kickstarter right now. Can't remember when it ends, though. I believe it's just going for the month of June. So I think it launched here uh, June 1st, maybe. So uh, 30 days, probably. So around June 30th or so. I'll put it in the show notes. I'll put a link in the show notes so you can go check it out. <music> Jordan, what are you watching? You big boy. <laughs> Don't I know it? What am I watching? We're getting into summer, a lot of stuff done, so my uh my watching list has gotten a little bit smaller, but as always, Game of Thrones. Last week's app really redeemed itself from my criticism of two weeks ago. <laughs> that was fun. <laughs> That was another rep where it was fun talking to people who haven't read the books. Yeah, I, not, I, not quite as much fun as the Red Wedding, but still. Yeah. Did you know that was going to happen? Yeah, yeah, I, I, I have a, a one or two people that pull me aside here and there too after every few episodes or something. So, yeah, it's definitely, definitely fun, fun conversation. This, this last episode, and I'm not, we're not going to talk about it a whole heck of a lot. Actually, one of the things uh, I will put out real quick is we are looking at. Megan actually said, "Hey, you know, we haven't done a 
We haven't done a special in a while. Can we all get together and do a Game of Thrones special? So we are going to try to do that once the season wraps up here. So it sounds like all four of us are on board. We will be doing that. But this episode, it was, it was a great episode. I had a lot of fun with it, but this episode more than, for some reason, more than most just had my mind fractured. I was like, I was walking the alternate timeline path a lot in this episode. It was, yeah, the first half, <laughs> maybe, well, um, first quarter, Sarah was like, I don't remember any of this. That's because it never happened. I know. It was just, it, it was just like in my head. It literally, I mean, and it was distracting me for a little bit because in my head, it really was. It went, okay, here we are. And now I've got two things in my head. Here's what I know really happened in the books. And here's where we are now. And I had them walking side by side in my head. And it was like, I was getting distracted for, for part of it. You know, I know I'm going to be viewed poorly for saying this, but. The longer this character survives, both in the books and the TV show, the the more disgruntled I get. And I just hope Theon dies. <laughs> I, uh, we're, of course, supposed to hate Bolton, but yeah. he's just annoying. Theon is just... Well, I have a low opinion of the Greyjoys, because they're just wasted words overall. <laughs> but Theon himself... Uh, just die. Nice. <laughs> All um, right, um... Real quick, that wasn't Arya's reaction in the book, was it? I tried to convince my wife that that is not how that played no. out, but she firmly believes that it was. Me- Megan and I are both with you, but but was it not perfect? That it, that should have been. That's the best scene of the season so far, <laughs> and I put that ahead of the battle between the Mountain and the Red Viper. That <laughs> that fifteen seconds of laughter. Perfect. Yeah, perfect it was scene. absolutely perfect. Yeah. <laughs> the IT crowd did a final ep called The Last Bite. They got everybody together for a last ep, and I found it online and watched it, and it is very funny. It is deliberately written to be the final ep. It, you know, it <laughs> nice. literally ends with turning out the lights in the IT room. It was hilarious. They do... A lot of the IT or computer-based, you know, memes and silliness right, yep. that that has been gone on in what it's been like three years since season four, two years, three years. So they yeah. they got a little thing on anonymous, and they got you know <laughs> viral videos, and there's this one little scene where they they just riff on the fact that the whole so, so show was kind of based on stupidity because Roy's like, have you ever noticed that when we get into these problems? The situations are just dumb. <laughs> so if you haven't watched it, go find it. You know, I think Hulu Plus might have it because they had the rest of the IT crowd for a while. I'm not sure if uh, BBC America has it, but go out there, find I don't know if they actually ever carried it over here. I know they had black books, but I don't know if they had IT crowd. Anyways, go find it. It's fun. Um, Netflix probably has it. They have the rest of the I series. watched it on, I watched the regular series on Netflix. I haven't seen The Last Bite yet, though. Okay. We went to see Days of Future Past, and that was excellent. Yes. Very good for a variety of reasons. Primarily, it retcons most of the existing <laughs> X franchise out of existence. So things like the horrible Wolverine's Origins movie and X2 and X3 and certain parts of X1 never actually happened. So it retroactively makes those four movies much better. <laughs> 
Really enjoyed it. A couple small problems with it, but that's just, you know, technical. Yeah, have, you we, see, have you seen it? Yeah, we, we saw it this past weekend since Megan. I, I didn't get to see it opening weekend because Megan was out of town. Okay. Warpath is not a midget. I'll start <laughs> with that. I really wish we'd seen a proper Sentinel, you know, a comic book accurate Sentinel. Not like what we saw was bad. I just, I like. Yeah, I, I like the Sentinels. They yeah. were fine. I wish one of the Nimrods had been pink. That would have been nice. But again, it's a good espionage movie with mutants. So very I, much like first class. I absolutely loved Blink. Yes. She was awesome. Her, her, her and her use of powers. Yeah. Fan Bing Bing or whatever the actress's name is. Yeah. She, it was just done so well. I wasn't yeah. even sure if that was a person or CG. So mm-hmm. I went and I looked and it's a, it's a real person, but yeah, her, her, you know, the makeup and her costume mm-hmm. and then the use of powers. Excellent. She was, I think my favorite part of the book, yeah. uh, the, the movie. Yep. And like I said, I gave you the first volume for <laughs> Fate Zero, the anime that Don lent me. I'm enjoy- I'm enjoying that. I'm on to the second volume. It's uh it's cool. It's um the, the premise is the, the Grail War happens every sixty years, and the magical families of Japan vie for control of the Grail. It'll grant you a wish to help you reshape your life. It's apparently it's not long reaching because it happens every sixty years, but uh, <laughs> each family gets a servant and uh, these are the great heroes or villains depending on how you look at it out of history so you know in this one we've got king arthur who turns out was a woman and you've got iskandar uh, you know alexander the great and uh gilgamesh so they've that's the really appealing part for me they went out of their way to find historical characters with enough meat in them be it legendary or 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 real, because one of the characters is actually based on a real proven to have been alive human and is not just uh, a mythical character. They give you, you know, it's like seven masters, I think. So you never see all seven in one app. So they do a good job of blending their stories and moving things around. It's uh, it's enjoyable. It's not high art, but I'm having fun. Watching. Yeah. And uh, Longmire should be starting up here soon. So I'm looking forward to that. And back. OK. Let's see. We talked Game of Thrones. Orphan Black. I mean, we got that pile of year. Yeah. We've been watching it. It's one of our, uh, I think we, at this point, we, I, we may watch it the, the night after, I think, but it's, it's one, it's one of the first things we'll watch when we see it. If, if we haven't, uh, if we can't watch it the night of. So we're, uh, definitely checking that out and enjoying it still. Very enjoyable show. Penny Dreadful still watching and still trying to decide if I, I'm on board or not. <laughs> we yes. still haven't gotten by the second step, but uh, that's another uh, first step, I should say. That's another one that's piling up. Not uh, like this one in Orphan Black, not due to lack of interest, just lack of time. Yeah, and I, I think Megan is kind of enjoying it, and that's one of the reasons why we are watching it almost as it happens. I mean, we're, we've caught up now. We had a couple piled up, and then we caught up through them, and now she kind of watches them. And yeah, I'm still trying to make up my my mind, and I, I don't think I'm helping myself i don't think i'm doing myself any favors because sometimes i'll zone out and like maybe grab my phone play a game or something. <laughs> so well that says something I, I, yeah <laughs> it's, but I, it's like i've kind of been doing that since episode two so i just kind of you know like i said i watched episode one i said i need to make up my mind but then i started almost instantly zoning out so i'm not helping myself really or i'm 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 making up my mind without actually watching it you know what i mean so i i've got to to knock it off a little bit because i you know i kind of get in in and out and look up and there's some interesting things kind of going on here and there i just i've got to focus in and and stop trying to 
make up my mind based on the show. <laughs> Get back into it a little bit. But we are still watching that one. Last Comic Standing has started up again. They brought that show back, so we've been watching that. It's been uh, actually been kind of fun. It's it, right now they're still in the early, you know, invitational stage, so they're just kind of churning through comedians to come out to make semifinalists with and and stuff. So they've been have had some good talent on there, and got to see Roseanne Barr choose somebody out who was not good talent and was kind of an ass. <laughs> she chewed so. herself out. <laughs> yeah, nice. <laughs> uh, been enjoying that one though. And that's what I've been watching. So what we're reading slash listening to. As always, we're live. 46. Did you get through it? That was a tough app. That was a, that was a <laughs> tough app. Saul, man. Yeah. Not good days for him. <laughs> and we're just so close to the end. I know. How are they going to wrap it all up? I've got more questions. I have uh, solutions. I'm glad they're going back, though. I was wondering if they were going to have to go back to the the arena, mm-hmm. but apparently now the the gas that they discovered at the arena is just every, anywhere they go. Okay, so and it's in the <laughs> bodies. So okay, we're that's that was my disconnect. How are they going to do that? Despite the fact that they're talking about moving everybody away from Los Angeles. Yeah. Well, now they can just do it anywhere. So okay, I'm happy with. That. But Saul's just well, and getting they, the shit kicked out of him in the yeah. last two, three chapters. Yeah. Well, and then they're, uh, they got rid of every body. Mm-hmm. So now it's, ba- I mean, they're kind of bringing it back to core. Yep. Kind of. It's like, you know, and they kind of say it, it's like, you know, this is where we started out. How, how often are we going to do this kind mm-hmm. of thing? So yeah, it'll, it'll be interesting, but still there's only what, like two or three chapters left. Yeah. It's done in, uh, they said July. Yeah. So man. Yeah. Two chapters. Let's better be some long. This is chapters. the end of this is the end of the chapters, so it's going to be two weeks off, and then yep. three weeks of eps. So that's five weeks, so that takes us into mid July, and then so. two weeks off and forty eight. Yeah, man, better be some long eps. Yeah, <laughs> tell me about it. Get your throat spray going. I want to see hour eps, not not half hour eps. I've been able to get back to the gym, and since we've had good weather, I've been required to do lawn care. So I've been <laughs> listening to Scalzi's Old Man War, Old Man's War. It's serious. Well, you know Scalzi's style of writing, so that doesn't change. It's it's his typical style of writing. And when when last we I spoke about this, you know, I was fairly new to the book. They hadn't even explained how they rejuvenate these people. Well, I'm well past that now, and it's discussing, you know, the nature of war with the Colonial Defense Force. It really reminds me of Starship Troopers. Not that shit movie. The the <laughs> nice. Heinlein wow. book. Hey, it, watch it. <laughs> the Heinlein book. Uh, not quite as serious, but it really <laughs> is talking about war and what it camaraderie camaraderie yeah absolutely nothing (laughs) camaraderie and duty um you said duty duty the other audiobook i'm listening to when i'm at work (laughs) honor among thieves by james Corey. this dude that did the expanse well he did this honor among thieves which is a star wars book uh it's the second book in the empire and rebellion series so you know the i mentioned the first one this is the second one again this is set between first and second between star wars and empire strikes back so uh i might check out the next one if it's uh an author i like uh as long as they keep it into the original trilogy stuff it's uh they're the mains right so you know they're not going to die but both the the first one and honor among thieves have been very good in in terms of uh 
giving you a storyline with enough drama in it, even though you don't always. Uh, I'm not quite, uh, I don't know. I think I'm about halfway through this one. Uh, this one centers more on uh, Han and Leia, where the other one was. Um, remember. But it was a good book. <laughs> Obviously. <laughs> On the physical side, I'm still working my way through Fire and Frost, the Shadowrun book. I had a little hard part with this in Amazonia. It it felt very much script, you know, like this is the encampment you want to put to prose many of the game camps. (laughs) But overall, it's still an enjoyable story. I think I'm like 60% through. They've just finished up. Are you to Amazonia yet? I'm just there because I'm at like 37%. So I'm, they're just coming in. Okay. Like they just, the whole drone explosion led us through the mm-hmm. gate. That's what I just got done reading. The part prior to that, where it was just like a, a little paragraph of progressively more violent, but futile attacks against the truck as yes. you're passing yeah. through the jungle. I thought that was really good. That was funny. Yep. <laughs> Dude swinging through the air on vines. That was funny. The the whole Amazonia ch- uh, set well, that seemed a little bit forced to me, but overall it's still enjoyable. Uh, I like I said, I'm done with Amazonia, and they're progressing on to their next uh, their next encounter. But yeah, it, it, it's enjoyable. It's got a good Shadowrun feel. It harkens back to the original books that I really really liked in the uh, in the early to mid '90s. Yeah, so I'm really enjoying this. Yeah, well, I, I didn't get the word on why but they did push back the release date and just said some well i think that <laughs> i I'd ho- i hope so because yeah i i agree it, it can use some definite editing S- since you're on it and then i won't have to talk about it later because we were both reading it one of my favorite parts is cow cow however you say her name yeah i don't know uh, but cow. the the rigor the rigor yeah because that was the character i played so I played a rigger. So, uh, especially when they kind of went into her diving into the vehicle. Yes. And, and the feel of being a part of the, vehicle, the vehicle and stuff and, like that yeah. was very cool to me because I was the driver slash rigger <laughs> for, for our party too. So that whole thing had a nice feel to it and, and kind of reminded me of those times and, and playing the game and stuff like that. Yeah. For the most part, I'm liking all the characters except Kyrie. Yeah, she started off in the first, you know, in the first uh, break in, like being like the ultimate adept and she can do everything with a pistol and a knife and she's fast and reflexes and blah, 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 blah. But ever since then, she's just been bland, just <laughs> attitude, like she's there for attitude and attitude only. She hasn't really had a role since then. Yeah. So I don't really care if I end up liking her or not, but she's just wasted text at this point. I like pineapple, though. Yeah, he's good. He's good. <laughs> If I was comfortable, you'd just be seeing me in a thong and a baseball hat. <laughs> oh, maybe you haven't re- got there yet. But yeah, okay. That's one of his lines coming. <laughs> On the comic side, I've worked my way through to issue seven, I believe, of East of West. And this book just keeps getting better. If you're not reading it, you should. Uh, that's both to Jeff and anybody listening to my <laughs> voice. This is a really great book about the apocalypse, but not like you'd think. Death has left the other three horsemen and they're not happy about it. And it's not, it's been blocks, you know, it's been an arc and an arc and each arc has been sufficiently different, but with a couple overarching stories (laughs) uh, about why this apocalyptic thing is happening. It's really good. And, and the nature of the apocalypse and why the world is like it is now really enjoyable, uh, really good writing, really good art. The art is always very muted, not quite drab, but definitely it's not all bright, uh, you know, spandex colors, but the artwork is very good. And the coloring is very good. It's one I've actually thought about off and on. 
Uh, and the last thing I'm reading is The Bunker from Oni, which was apparently originally uh, just a series of web comics. And I think I it was four issues. And man, I can't wait for the fifth issue. It starts off with some college grads, like literally they graduated yesterday. And one dude has talked them into going to build a, to, to bury a time capsule. And they go, they find the perfect spot for the time capsule and start to <laughs> dig. And immediately, uh, they hit metal. They scrape the metal, they scrape the dirt off the metal. And there's a hatchway with four out of their five names on the hatch. Uh, and then they go inside, uh, they open the door and, and it's a bunker. It's an underground bunker and they go inside. And again, four of, out of the five of them have letters addressed to them. This bunker has, it shows rust, shows where dust, this bunker has been there for a long time, but they just got there. They still have their time capsule. As they read their letters, they realize they are being communicated to from their future selves. Uh, each one of them has gotten a letter from themselves in the future explaining how the world has ended and why they are responsible for it. What each one of them did, what each one of their roles were in the end of the world. And it wasn't zombie virus. It wasn't like nuclear war or anything like that. It's one of them's a scientist and he develops a strain of grain, I think it was, or corn that is finally resistant to everything. Monsanto would be proud. It's proud. It's resistant to everything and it grows fast. Problem was, it wasn't actually resistant to everything. It just made everything dormant. And then once all this infected corn got into the food supply around the world, everybody ate all these diseases with their meals. And like six of seven billion people died in a, in a year because of this, what they thought was super resistant, but what actually was not. It was not killing anything. It was just letting whatever bugs on it go dormant and then be ingested. And there was this funny throwaway line. The reason the United States lasts so long is probably because we don't have any vegetables in our diets. <laughs> it took a while to get here. But I mean, that's not spoiler. That's just that's given. That's the premise. The end of the world was this food disease. It's really good, though. It's very gripping. The artwork is uh really rough and the colors are really kind of slapdash, but it definitely fits the tone of, well, it's got a lost vibe to it. They actually mentioned that, you know, this this underground bunker. And one of their comments was, OK, we've all seen Lost, right? But it does have that kind of lost vibe to it because it is a bunker. There is this pseudo time travel where they're getting these letters from the future. And I'm up to a point now where there's been the big partial reveal, you know, the whatever you do, don't turn the, you know, and that's where we're up to. There's been what, the what, don't turn what? That wasn't quite it, but that was, that's the gist of how the reveal got broken. And I really want issue five to come out, damn it, because this was a really, uh, this I got and just read right back to back to back to back. Uh, really good story, really enjoying it, very engrossing. All right. Well, we've already talked about my stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I'm uh, reading Fire and Frost as well, enjoying it, but I do agree with Jordan, editor. Pay a little extra for another editor, please. <laughs> but enjoying it so far, but I'm not as far in as, as Jordan because I kind of got kind of waysided and, and just started reading it again here in the last week. And, of course, we're alive. Those were my two things for reading and listening. So what we're playing... Again, don't have a ton 
South Park, the stick of truth, been playing that off and on. And now Megan, in fact, she might be upstairs playing it right now. She said that was on her short list of what she might do this evening. For her, though, I mean, she's kind of enjoying it, but she's never played that style of RPG game before. So it's, it's messing with her a little bit <laughs> in that aspect, but I've enjoyed it. It's, it's a, it's a solid game. It's uh, a lot better than it, uh, has any right to be. <laughs> and if you're a South Park fan, you know, it's perfect. Prison Architect, still playing that off and on a lot, actually. But I think I've restarted prisons like 7, 10, 12, 20, 35 times. <laughs> it's still early access, so it gets buggy off and on, and I'm still learning various things about it. Like, And, and they just put out an, a new build. So every they do a build a month. That's what they, the schedule they've given themselves. So they add new features to it every month. And then this next month they're going to take, and, and the build is going to be more about cleaning up bugs for this next month but shivs and race riots shivs riots what they just added in was uh drug dependencies and drug overdoses and stuff like that and and trying to keep that out of your prison and and create like the programs the aa and all that kind of stuff within your prison to mitigate that and stuff like that so oh it's again it's, it's it's sims prison kind of you know it's it's a cart a little more cartoony kind of art or whatever more basic art but is it's i don't know it's one of those mindless things i kind of do and let it run and see what happens and uh i just discovered there goes those wacky Aryan nation again (laughs) yeah i just discovered the planning tool so (laughs) i started over another another uh prison because it actually lets you like sketch out instead of actually spending the money so like this is what you want this building to look like because up until that point i was just like slapping stuff on and then oh i really want this to go out like two more how do i do you know that kind of Uh, stuff you can't get prisoners into the cell (laughs) block until you build a door yeah (laughs) stuff like that so it uh so i've been using that and and just putzing around and i i have fun with it the the I get hit by the one bug I hope they fix this next month is just randomly it decides this area is blocked. So like I'll be running like water pipes or my electricity and like I've even had it like water and electricity. Dude, they're prisoners. (laughs) I've had it like I've run my electric line just like in a field and, you know, like I'm running across here so I can come down to this building and just like one in the middle. They're going blocked. Can't get to it. Like what? What? How can you not get to the middle of the field that you've built all around everyone except for that one piece? And so my, of course, your electricity doesn't run because that one piece is missing. And so that, that is a one bug because it does that with the electricity and the water pipes and it bugs the piss out of me because it's like completely ruins what I, I'm trying to sketch out the aesthetic of your prison. Exactly. <laughs> Bastards. And then, uh, I just got and. And I haven't played enough. Have you seen anything about this game called The Forest? Mm-mm. It's uh, like a uh, sur- horror survival game. I just got it off of Steam. It's early access as well. Uh, but they had it on like sale this weekend for early access. And everything I've seen about it is like super cool. It's like you, um, you're on a plane with your kid, you crash land on this island and you kind of wake up a bit and somebody's carrying off your kid. Uh, and you're like, so you're, they take your kid. You're the only, you, you finally wake up. You're the only survivor on the plane. You get in the, it's like cannibal mutants, like are on this, on this island. So you basically got to like, you start the game scrounging everything you can off of the plane as fast as possible because 
you don't have a lot of time before, hey, we were attracted to that plane crash and things. And you got to like grab everything, haul ass and, you know, build your shelter and all that kind of stuff and, and just survive. So it's a little bit of that sandboxy build, Minecrafty, maybe a little bit without, you know, doing blocks and all that stuff. But, you know, you build your shelter, you got to go get your food, you got to survive these mutants, you know, these cannibals and stuff and, uh, you know, get a shelter up before night comes and, you know, that kind of stuff. So the only downside is I don't know if it's the build or what, or if it's just, it, it doesn't like my laptop or what, but it's very clunky. So I haven't played a whole lot of that. I want to go in and see if I can't tweak the settings to make it work better with my laptop because I've seen videos of it being played that look just awesome. Uh, but I have not experienced that yet. <laughs> <laughs> and then other than that, I mean, um, things that we've already kind of talked about, but above and beyond review purposes, I played a little evolution, some Shogun Showdown and Ghosts Love Candy. So that is all I can recall playing recently. What do you got? Well, those three, those last three as well. But other than that, not a lot. I've been doing much on the phone or the console. Did finally get Tokaido out. Got a two player game in with my wife. And that's, that's fun. I would definitely like to play that with more people so we didn't have a dummy. <laughs> Shouldn't talk about Sarah like that. <laughs> that's fun. You know, you're touristing through Japan and doing, you know, picking up food and, you know, souvenirs and fond memories, stuff like that. Going to the temples. Uh, you know, for a very simple game, it's, it's very fun. I beat her by one point. So it was very <laughs> close. Go. Only because we were tied for the amount of money at the temple. So we split that instead of, uh, her getting a full on <laughs> seven. We each got three. Ha <laughs> ha! And that allowed me to keep my my one point buffer. <laughs> you suck. No. And then last week got in a really really hilarious but also very fun game of Wild West Exodus. We got a a four player game going on, and there are some really great moments. Jordal was playing his outlaws, and he had the big doomsday armored vehicle, and uh, one of the other guys was playing Warrior Nation. He had this their their great elk. These are the two really big models, one for each side, and he had the elk charge in and just almost destroyed the doomsday on in one shot. At, did enough damage to its um, power supply that it was reduced to one action. Uh, unfortunately, he had his mechanic there, so he was able to slowly bring it back. But it was just that whole part of the game was just it was actually there were four players but it was like malachi and jordal up there and me and jake down here doing our own thing because we were both too far separated to to get involved but that and then he he also ran over sitting bull to attack jesse james we egged him into doing that but it turned out so well so well he just grabbed jesse james and ate him he, he just ate him killed him in two attacks and sitting bull has a special power when he kills a character he can use it for one round he gets one full set of activation so i think jesse james has four activation points so he can do four things with jesse james it was just awesome series of dice malachi rolled awesome and jordal rolled crap on defense <laughs> and he just tore him up it was like it was like wolverine in the hellfire club and <laughs> back then it was just snicked all these claws come out and then and then there's these little bits of Jesse James all over the place. But Jesse James has this power called Last Laugh. If he dies, he gets to make uh, one parting attack. And his parting attack is this, well, it can be any of his attacks. So Jordal, of course, used his most powerful attack. So as he's being sliced and diced, he just goes, <laughs> fires both his guns and blows up Sitting Bull. It was this, <laughs> just this awesome series of dice. And they both died. <laughs> but Sitting Bull got to possess Jesse James. 
after the last laugh for one round. And then he turned around with his guns and just wiped out half. Jordal at the end of this conflict was left with like three peons, four peons, nothing. There was nothing left. He had nothing left of any mill. It was just walk up and get killed and stuff. It was just chaff. Meanwhile, down at the end, the other end of the table, Jake and I, I had my two holy order of men figures and then some mercenaries. And he did a good job. I misplayed one of the cards and he did a good job of killing my two holy order dudes, which he viewed as the biggest threat. However, uh, this is the game they've done almost all the Firefly crew. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I had River Song, activated River Song from the movie, not crazy River Song. <laughs> and so she's there. She's got like the, the two weapons, just like the end of the movie where she's going to fight the Reavers. And that's what I did. The, he was the Reavers. I had, uh, I also had Zoe. And, uh, Zoe's power, she has one power. Uh, at the start of her activation, she can give her APs to somebody else. So I gave her APs to River and ran her up into the middle of his. He had a nice line of four characters and then one dude over here that I couldn't quite get to. And I just walked up with my first activation point and did an opportunity attack. He flailed back at me and missed. And then it was just devastation. She just sliced and diced. <laughs> She's her, her one axe. Uh, has decapitation and and infected blade infected blade says all its damage gets doubled after armor so if he's got i do 10 damage and he's five armor i do five points infected blade doubles that then it also has decapitation which uh, on a nine or a ten so an almost crit or a crit it's also doubled and i rolled almost all my dice were nines so i was essentially quadrupling damage so it was one attack somebody's dead turn one attack somebody's dead and then i moved down the row a little bit one so he had like these four dudes by the time i was done he had one dude and that was only because i couldn't get to him if i could have gotten to him with my movement and gotten off my attack the way my dice were rolling because in this game if you charge you can take one attack with the charge Mm -hmm. if i could have gotten there with the charge the way my dice were rolling he was going to be dead too but i wiped out his boss his to his sidekick, his underboss, and a law bot. It was it was just an awesome display of of summer glow from the end of the movie. It was just <laughs> <laughs> he was feeling good about taking up my two holy order dudes, and I'm like, just don't kill Zoe because I need Zoe to survive <laughs> to give her the APs, and she survived. And I'm like, okay, slap chop. That's just all it was. It was four dudes in a tube, and then slap 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 slap. It was a really great game. At the end, we called it a draw because Jake had to go. I was down to one dude. He was down to one dude. And Malachi and, and Jordal up at the top of the table. Were, well, Jordal was just down to chaff and Malachi still had his great elk. So he was just going to run around and eat everybody. So it was, uh, yeah, it was a really good game. And I don't think I've done anything else. I think it was just, uh, Takedo and WWX. You just reminded me that I went over and had dinner with Michael and Kate and Michael taught me Bioshock Infinite mm. and Plaid Hat. So yeah, I got that in as well. That was good because it was it was kind of funny timing too because somebody had just got done asking me recently if I had played it and I'm like no nah, it's, it's one I haven't played yet so uh, I have a play in now but I was like super exhausted by the end of that game I got to play it again but what I remember of it and or what I got out of it before I just kind of hit a wall was uh, I I liked it I thought it was pretty solid o- overall so I, w- I want to definitely play it again sometime. All right. Well, I guess that brings us to the end of episode 45. I'm Jeff King. And I'm the Canadian. Thanks for listening. This podcast is a proud member of the GeekCast Network. If you enjoyed it and are looking for other podcasts with a geek culture slant, head over to geekcastnetwork.com, where you will find podcasts such as Royal Monster Battalion, where two geeks share their love of monster movies and have a few laughs along the way. 
fucked up. And thanks for showing love. We give up viewers thanks with knowledge in the bank. Cause y'all are top rank and never should be spanked. So thanks for tuning in and giving us a spin. Cause here we win, win, win. Cause that's how we always been. Well, it's been fun. It's been real. Till next time.